Venezuela specifically. Oh no way! So the the Venezuelan consulate, the Venezuelan services, and and you know, with I a, had no with idea a dictator about like that, that no. if he says Bitcoin, everything happens. Are we recording? Yes. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> so trust me, if we, we need we, something for the blooper reel. <laughs> if if we make a podcast if i start talking in venezuela uh, i will be the only one talking and i will be talking for him two hours and all that so let's not uh, talk about that so upcoming is our venezuela podcast where Damon stays for two, <laughs> two hours, hours. <laughs> that's what i was looking forward to that one David. <laughs> i love i am obsessed with venezuela just obsessed yeah like with all the things that are happening there and, and uh, ju- i just see opportunity 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 okay it's true that's not what we're here for we are here for Bang Important. That's this is right. our third episode. This Bang is much way. more than once in a while. This used to be, a, as, as I tell people, sometimes they have once in a year, once a month. We have once in a while, and that's wrong. Yeah. It's like more like once in a week. It's been like four weeks, three yeah. weeks, and we've yeah. done three podcasts. It's an amazing. amazing turnout. Yeah, yeah. so uh, we, we finished our website. So bangimportant.com is officially up. And it is beautiful. We, we are, are, we are using the, uh, the Code Drops uh, uh, Dropcaster. Uh, theme where we just uh, hooked it up and we're reading from our SoundCloud RSS feed. So it is up and running at bangimportant.com. Um, and we have two wonderful guests here, one that just gave a talk at PokerJS. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Oh, that was even better. <laughs> Why don't you go ahead and start? So uh, my name is Praveen Yalamanchi. My nickname is, is Prav and my online moniker is Pravi. Mm-hmm. So I did the PokerJS uh, React VR workshop in November. And that was part one, and uh, it's all videoed, and uh, all the files are up. So you can, it's self-paced, so you can actually do it if you still want to. <laughs> and if you actually do it, it's a workshop. Um, in, individual parts of the workshop, you're supposed to take screenshots. And at the end of the workshop, you have a working URL of a, uh, of a VR game that you made in React VR. Nice. So it's something that's good for your uh, portfolio. You can, you know, someone actually got a job already. Michelle got a job. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. So, so that was part one. Part two, we did a Boca. Um, Is that local? Local Michelle? Like Yeah, Michelle. Yeah, Michelle Seltzer. Oh, yeah, nice. she got a job at St- uh, Stadia. You know that. Congratulations, that. Very Michelle. Very cool. Yeah, I know you're listening. Coding commander, and then uh, we did that was part oh, one. Coding commander, yeah, 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 yeah. This is awesome. So we did we did part one, and then she adopted my uh, my workshop for her own website to teach Great. it through her more fun way through space battles or something. You had uh, just 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 to clear up this. So Boca JS is just the event we we uh, we just had. And Lewis will talk about uh, what he just presented, and probably was the one that was before that. Um, and uh, you had you guys both had an incredible turnout. Uh, you guys both had uh, you Praveen, You had almost sorry, Pravi, uh, almost seventy people in there. Uh, followed close close to me by the I think it was just under fifty that we you had, Luis. It was uh, I actually had captured fifty as a technique. I was like, oh, that way people will think I had to open it up. Well, because I saw, more people come up. I mean, I don't know if they, they all came up, but they, more people had. I had to open it up because it's it showed up. No, and that says a lot about the up and coming sort of South Florida community rising, right? Where a lot of people don't think about it, but it's definitely on the rise. Uh, uh, let, let's talk about that. I actually uh, well, left a, Florida. We, we got to finish introducing oh. our guest. Yes, yeah, so, tell, tell us a little bit about what you, uh, who you are, Luis Atencio. We, I was just uh, had the pleasure of speaking to a, a, a nice audience and an amazing uh, venue meetup. Um, about functional programming in JavaScript, and that's where uh, my passion is. Very so nice. we'll be talking about that. I definitely got a lot of questions for you. <laughs> so uh, I, I am Jeremy, a uh, host of Bang Important and creator of events. Ooh. Who are you? Uh, which event specifically? <laughs> All of the events. All of the events. All so the my name is Damian Montero. I am the organizer of Boca.js along with Jeremy which we are also the organizer. And we already, if you heard uh, episode two uh, of uh, Palm Beach Tech, Palm Beach JS, sorry. So, uh, all right. Let's, all right, let's, let's, let's dive into it. So you're, you're talking a little bit about uh, the community. What, what, what do you like about the community most? Like, uh, yeah, so I've seen, I've seen the, the myself, I've uh, had the, the pleasure of seeing the transition. Uh, and actually, that, that's where I met Damien uh, a while back at, at um, South Florida PHP and other conferences that um, I think we, we were there together. Love him. And um I saw the, 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 the rise, right? Because I, um, I started going to a lot of the meetups uh, probably a couple of years ago is when I got really involved. And, and you would see a turnout. You would see maybe 15, you know, if you had pizza. You know, you would see, you would see maybe 15, right? Um, maybe that's my problem. Um, <laughs> it should be, yeah. You do fine. You know, right. do fine. And, um, and so it's been amazing because then from there, um, from there I started going to the Miami PHP meetup and then I started 
myself, I got really into it, started presenting at the WinCode and the Miami Venture Hive and all that. And so through through all the talks that I've been sort of part of and listening as well as speaking, it's just every time I see the room, it's just growing and growing and growing, right? It's and so, and, and, and meetups, new meetups in Fort Lauderdale and West Palm Beach is popping up everywhere. So, I've, you know, it's really a... It's really amazing to think that that's going to bring tech to South Florida, right? And it's it's happening, I think. I heard you, you, Praveen, you, you mentioned that this, you know, it could have been the magic leap effect. I mean, I, I truly believe it's been for a long time. When I, I remember being here in the 2000s, and mm-hmm. I remember that cars.com was here. Mm-hmm. And uh, this other, I mean, this big, I mean, yeah. that time it was the domain name that was the important thing. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of different companies that were coming in here. And in South Florida, I've been here since 1999. I've never had downtime. I've never, I'm a, as a web developer, as a front yes. end, back end. It's been always, you know, easy to find jobs, a tremendous amount of opportunity yeah. here. And, and, and I'm talking about this as Praveen also, uh, we lived in San Francisco, not at the same time, not the same house. You know, it's, not, it's not that thing like oh, we always do. <laughs> but I, at different times, we've been Bang there. important. In a bang, exactly. <laughs> so there's there's that, and uh, so I, I I truly believe this is an amazing uh, place, and I, yeah. I, I'm I'm always blown away by how good it is. Yeah, we have nothing to miss out from, right? And that's that's yeah. the feeling that I'm getting. Yeah, I, I feel Absolutely. like we're like Silicon Valley without all the, like the the high pressure and the high standards and, and the, the, the highest cost of living. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. Like, I mean, We've got everything here. We've got like some pretty big companies. We've got Modernizing Medicine down here. We got Magic Leap down here. Yes. Uh, you know, there, there's Aero Digital, and you have Levitas up there. Uh, doing absolutely. The, the, the Even Citrix, and, and yep, absolutely. Uh, so it, it's all over the place, and that's what that's what I love about this community, where it's like Damien said, uh, I'll second that. It's I don't think I've gone more than a month without a job, and I think that month was I need a break. <laughs> so it's like going from one situation to another, where it's like you know what, I'm going to be choosy about my next position and whatnot. So, so I think the thing that's really changed for me, because, you know, I went to University of Miami, then I went out to California. So I saw my main office in Silicon Valley and I uh, you know, live in L.A., uh, a part of the year as well. But the thing is, I used to come back, you know, to visit my family and stuff. And so Damien might see me, you know, once in a while yeah. and stuff. But now I'm here a lot, you know, regularly. I actually have Absolutely. stuff to do here. And I think, I think you know, to put it in a nutshell, it used to be that Miami is a place where you could be the big fish in a small pond. Right. which only takes you so far, right? Because you're right. still in a small pond, right? You know, mm-hmm. just like in that old HBO show of the prison Oz or something. Mm-hmm. He's like, he's like, you know, well, I'm the king, right? And then he's depressed because I'm still in prison, right? Like, what difference does <laughs> it make at some point? But that's different now. Now I think what's changed is, you know, we're, we're big enough to matter, especially in Mindshare. Like everyone, you know, I used to live in, um, 2008, I was in, like, living in different parts of Asia most of the year, right? Mm-hmm. And you sell, you told anyone you're from Miami, they always get a big, you know, genuine smile on their face, right? They're mm-hmm. happy to meet you, right? You know, just, the Miami brand is you're 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 like a, a fun person, you know, mm-hmm. right? and fun, but like in in a very like uh, positive way. Thanks to Pitbull, Mister Three Hundred Five. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think, oh, but I think by the way, is, is he is no yeah. longer Mister Three Hundred Five. He's yeah. Mister Zero One One now because it's international. Okay, oh, yeah. that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, so so my, Miami Miami's guy is 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 big enough to matter. It's uh, and you know and everyone you know who's anyone has some connection to Miami. You know, like you know whether in the past, present, you know, but but also but we're we're small enough. We all know each other. So yeah, this isn't. I mean, obviously, like you're doing events, but you see that right? We can do stuff like within days here. It might takes months of planning or weeks of planning in Silicon Valley in L.A. Uh, but because you know. The, 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 we reached the tipping point, but we're not so huge where it's unmanageable. So we right. can we can actually execute much faster in, in a lot of areas really quickly in Miami, especially in some new technologies. Like Miami is like number one or close to it in blockchain right now. Like mm-hmm. everyone, you know, probably because New York shot itself in the foot, like all those conferences come to Miami. Yeah. Right. And if you're already established in Miami, right. when someone comes in and like who's established, right? And it's pretty easy. When you mentioned it, you know, mentioned it earlier today, right? I mean, Ethereum was announced here, even though it's from my, my home country, Toronto. I was literally at the place where the guy was making the silent announcement. Nobody notices that Ethereum was actually started in Toronto. But nobody notices it because nobody was there at that little tiny event. But boom, they come here to Miami, the place. Yeah. And boom, this revolutionary technology, this particular one, is announced and everybody knows it as the Miami. So we have the official scorecard now of like how Miami's really impacted like the global economy, um, in tech at least, and obviously other ways as well. Like one, Facebook was originally incorporated in Miami. You kidding? Yeah, just seriously. Like because like the co-founder, uh, Edward Servant, oh, yes. went to Gulliver. Uh, two is like uh, 
And Jeff Bezos went to high school here. His dad, his yes. stepdad is a Cuban immigrant. Uh, Cheryl Sandberg's dad is still a doctor, ophthalmologist in Villardo. Mm-hmm. Um, the cell phone was invented here, uh, Motorola. Um, right. The PC, obviously. And now Ethereum. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of things we're yeah, forgetting. Absolutely. No, absolutely. it's also, I've seen it uh, creep into uh, even uh, college education, right? We have... We have a lot of uh, a lot of companies in tech uh, having a high influence into curriculum, and so what we're getting is talent, a lot of talent coming out of uh, whereas before you wouldn't think about you know colleges in Florida producing uh, lots of high quality tech talent, and that's changing as well. So that's you know that's kind of permeating into all the the technology that we're seeing. You know, people are coming out hungry for this, right? Luis, you you are at, at your job. You're doing something very advanced with functional programming. We'll we'll get into that in a mm-hmm. second. But do you find that you can find the people? Like everybody says, oh no, you've got to go to Silicon Valley to get right. the right people. Yeah. To get the smart people, I don't yeah. find that. No, no. Uh, to be you know just to put a little stat out there, we we've actually hired. Uh, six people in less than a month, which is like staggering rate. I mean, it's you, right. we're literally getting you know uh, two or three uh, candidates coming in for interviews. You know, uh, and they, these are all local talent. Like, and these are all local talent, them absolutely from other uh, states and coming in here. Nothing, nice. right? Uh, primarily, we're looking for uh, FIU UF talent. You yeah. know, right out of college, we we looking for uh, um, guys that just are passionate about what they do. Uh, you know, we come to meetups and 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 pitch. You know, that we're hiring and. You know the response is amazing, right? It's two ways, right? It's it's one is, you know, when when saying, oh, you know, who's looking for a job? You'll see a couple of hands raised. That's that's really rewarding, actually, because everybody is in tech, everybody is doing it, right, uh, professionally, Absolutely. and so it's it's and there's talent, and so it, it's you know, and and then we get the, the guys that are that are just ready for that next level or ready to change or maybe they're you know they want to take a break and then start something new, right? Um, and so and we get to just recycle that talent across South Florida, no reason to go up. Absolutely. Yep. You know, one of the, I, I'm a, an instructor at Palm Beach Code School, and one of the things I love seeing is the journey that uh, career switchers take because it's like they always feel the most invaluable because they, they have a cost of living demand and they can't necessarily go back to the, you know, the lower end of the, the pay spectrum. And it's just like to have that conversation with them, be like, okay, so you're valuable for all these reasons um, in the context, especially like, thinking outside the box, right? Because we as developers have been in the developer role for so long that we also, we often forget how it's like to, to not be a developer and, and interact with our tools. So I, I like to encourage my students, like you're valuable in that way. Like you're gonna forget what you think you know now, right? Put that aside, learn this, and then apply and draw those analogs that you, you did at your old job and how yep. you do it here. Because those new ways of thinking is what's going to drive this industry forward. And that I find super uh, amazing because um, you know, my a lot of my talks, a lot of my workshops, and the, the whole idea of what I'm trying to do is boost the beginners, right? Because there's this big gap between okay, I've gone through a boot camp or I've gone to college and I've done some you know basic computer science stuff, and then I see what you guys are doing talking about functional programming, and I can't connect the dots. So it's like my my workshop is the idea of like oh, you've used JavaScript for a little while, but you don't really understand why you're using it. Right. Well, here's practical application with some uh, a deeper understanding of why you're doing some things. So that way, when you understand why things are doing stuff, you can start applying them to uh, you know bigger projects. And then, then furthering that, now you're bringing in outside influences. Like, how'd you solve this problem in whatever industry you're in? Is there any analogs you can draw here and like uh, build those products and uh, solve those problems that way? I just find well, that super the, uh, encouraging. The, the Scrum methodology was really out of Toyota, right? Yeah. It was just a process, right, right, right. a way of thinking, and then just permeated into technology as mm. the de facto standard for building software, right? Yeah, I kind of I do exactly, you know, the opposite of what a typical coding school does. So I, I teach a lot of kids. Uh, I'm always a volunteer. I never get never accept payment for anything. I, I feel like if someone's coming. You, someone's you give coming, payments. Here. Yeah. You give cookies every <laughs> right. one of your workshops. Yeah, that's right. I've been there. That's I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I, I've been trying to brand myself as the guy that gives you a vegan protein cookie. So, like, <laughs> I've been speaking a lot of blockchain conferences lately, you know, always chasing the next shiny object, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if someone answers a question in the audience, right, I'll throw a vegan protein cookie at them. Half the time, I hit them in the face, but they're not mad because it's a cookie. And, <laughs> and, you know, I've been doing it long enough. Where, they like, realize it's vegan and then they kind of are mad. <laughs> yeah, I think you know, yeah, I'm pretty cheap. But that's when they've eaten it and they were like, yeah. You know, I, I have a, a small film production company. I do a lot of VR and all the actors always get vegan. So there's been times now where people are like, you know, they don't remember my name. Mm-hmm. They'll remember I'm the guy giving them a cookie. So it's something, right? The branding, yeah, the branding is overpowering my hard to pronounce name, I guess. 
that works. But so so my my the training methodology, especially for kids, uh, I did the uh, the girl coded. I was mm-hmm. there, I was a volunteer, a coach uh, last summer at Idea Center, and I was actually in California mostly, so I did a lot of Skype video, um, and then we did uh, for the uh, the Geek Academy Adventure Cafe on Thursdays. I taught taught the augmented reality uh, scavenger hunt to high school kids, but but all those things is I always start out with the usefulness first, right? Mm-hmm. And you saw even at the uh, Damien's React VR workshop, yeah, yeah. right? The usefulness was making a game. That, you know, I didn't bury the yeah. lead, right? Right. So right, basically, right. you come up, you came up with the the actual project. It's really cool, you know, a game or something people are really interested in anyway, and then figure out how to build it, right? Right. Okay. And that keeps them on track, keeps them a framework, and keeps their interest too. It also, yes. I noticed that also, um, you know, the follow up workshops we have, like the next part two of Damien's workshop we did at Boca College, if you. Uh, Code I mean, uh, uh, Broward College at Code Florida was like mm-hmm. React VR data visualization. But I sort of like a lot of people came from part one. Mm-hmm. You oh, know, yeah. I thought I thought that I was surprised because usually in South Florida they stick their own like Boca people say in Boca, they're not going to Miami. So people have been following you around, following along, and even though everything's live streamed and all yeah. that stuff, they still won't want to be in person. So I think the concept of like attract. A, a the emotional connection to something they really want to do anyway mm-hmm. and stuff. And this is a, a tool for them to realize their dream. So, you know, we're bringing back program to what it was supposed to be. It's a tool, yep. right? It's not Absolutely. an end in itself. That's right. why I teach it, yeah. especially for kids. You know, that's the only way to, to appeal to them is they kind of like don't care about the paycheck yet. <laughs> that's true. Right, right. It's just a passion. And that's what you yeah. want with them. You know, they want, they want to be something exciting mm-hmm. and good. Yeah. So, so I'm involved in something called uh, Code Palm Beach uh, where we're uh, trying to educate the next generation where we have free camps um, right now in one location where we're trying to branch it out into uh, multiple locations, simultaneous events going on once a month. And this is the thing I'm I'm thinking about at top of mind. So I'd love to have a much deeper conversation uh, with you about this because I talked to the guy uh, from uh, Tech Garage, Scooter. Uh, He had his group of uh, students, techies, I don't know what their uh, technical name is, um, at our hackathon. And they were they ranged from fifth grade to uh, eighth grade and they were all building VR stuff and whatnot. And he had a very interesting approach. So I'm thinking there's a, n- another podcast coming and get you, me and Scooter in on a conversation and, and talk about that. Cause it's, it's something that is vitally important and people are hungry for it now because people aren't, uh, parents aren't sending their kids to baseball camp or football camp anymore. They're sending them to coding camp. Oh, the yeah. demand's there, but there's not a lot of coding camps out there to do these things. So uh, when I interact with the parents at Code Palm Beach, they're like, how do we do more of this? So hmm. it's – it's there's a hundred may, maybe, there. maybe there's a bigger scheme of things where uh, there's a, a central repository for all this information of like, let's go to this event, let's go to that event. So that way one kid can get exposed to a lot of different areas and uh, you know, teach the next generation how to program. I got to say, I mean, I'm really humbled by what you guys are saying because, you know, my way of giving back to, to the community, to, you know, because we, that, I think that's, that's part of our role, right? Not just develop something and have fun and, and, and uh, have a paycheck, right? You have to give back always, right? Because you always, you know, the way you can do your job is by receiving what the community gives you as well. So it's our job to give back. I thought I was doing it, you know, by, you know, coming to meetups and, and, and talking to people and meeting people, but you guys are just that next level, right? You guys are targeting kids, from the ground up, right? That's the root, and, and, some, and it's, it's amazing. Ah, you, you, you gotta, you know. Sometimes some of us have realized that uh, you, you to, to learn, you really have to teach sometimes. Um, and uh, there's 100%. one way, right? There's yes. one way you learn so much more. I remember, like, literally hearing about this Bitcoin thing. And sorry, I'm going back to cryptocurrency. And then uh, back in 2012, and, and 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 there's a meetup group, and it won't happen for a couple of months. And and so I'm like, oh, can I suggest a topic? And they were like, perfect. Uh, go ahead and present it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, what? No, 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 no. I wanted to learn that. So, you know, but that got me really jump, you know, really excited about it, really learned a lot about it. And eventually, a couple of months later, I was presenting to Visa, as in Visa Latin America. There was 200 people from Visa, and of course, nothing happened. Yeah. So it wasn't that kind of a presentation. But, uh, you know, I did present to them. And uh, from there, I, uh, the place that they were talked about uh, even wanted me to present their, you know, Bitcoin 101, whatever that means, because he was about to start Ethereum during that, that event. Interesting. But, uh, uh, Anyways, but the, the teaching part can also be self-fulfilling, mm-hmm. uh, self-serving, 100%. self-serving is what I meant to say. Yeah. And 
you know, it's just an amazing part of it. You know, it, here, um, the presentation was fantastic. Both of you guys did a fantastic presentation. Thank you, guys. Uh, Thank you. you know, as a meetup organizer, that's always what we need. Presenters, we just, you know, because I've like like we've talked before, Jeremy, you know, we kind of figure people are kind of sick and tired of, of us. You know, we, we could probably talk on, on and on forever, but. It's more I'm sick and tired of me. I think everybody <laughs> can handle a little bit more Jeremy. But, <laughs> but, but the idea of like uh, the way you give back to the community is, is just as valuable, right? So, you know, I've started the meetup group for that reason where it's like I just wanted to see what other nerds were around me, right? And then the idea of. I'm at a certain point in my career where I just want to start giving back because I've taken so much from the community in the context of, you know, free libraries, you know, jQuery has been super influential in my career, you know, uh, Bootstrap and Greensock and all these other tools that come out. So it's like, how do I give back? And the only way I can give back is by teaching. So that's the, the I started off with meetups, right? And then it started moving in. I've got a three-year-old. So it's like, do I want to get her into this? Do I not want to get her into this? If I do, do I wait until she's five or six before I start figuring out what the community is? I'm already in the community, so why don't I, and I don't see a lot around this, so it's like, why don't I create the community I would like my daughter to be in, for example? Wow. So it's, it's everybody's contributing. You want to be, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. But it's like, that it, it doesn't uh, diminish anything that you guys are doing just in the context of like, you're just giving meetup talks. That's, that's super important because I, I was having a couple of good conversations with, uh, you know, first timers out of college and they're, they're, starting to wrap their head around programming and these things just take them the next level. Yeah, so it's like, that's the way of giving yeah. back to the community that is uh, not necessarily, um, you know, the, the next generation, uh, the, the next, next generation. It's the one that's coming into the workflow now. Correct. He's almost about ready to graduate college. So he's the one that we might be hiring. So right. that's, it's just as uh, influential and important that yep. what we're doing. And that's what I love about this community here. I feel, um, and this is for ignorance of other places, but I, I, talk to people from other places and they're like, I don't have anything like this around where I'm, I'm from. And it's been several locations. So I think the community here is way more active and way more uh, accepting of new people and way more, um, you know, just willing to give their time, their expertise yes. and, you know, all that good stuff. Well, I think the other thing that Luis picked up on was he started out attending, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's really important is we're not, some people will only go to a meetup if they're the speaker. Mm -hmm. right? right. But I think we have in South Florida, we have the, you know, we're the community and the, you know, I, I'm attending today and I learned so much. So I think like knowing that someone like Luis is in the room and, and Damien, it, it makes me level up too, because mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not just always talking to people who is easy, really easy to impress. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, <laughs> right. you know, I really have to like, you know, they're basically way above me. Yeah. You know, I'm not a professional JavaScript programmer, but if I'm going to be teaching JavaScript to a professional JavaScript programmer, I really have to be on my game. And it really helps me. And plus, you know, everyone only has 24 hours in a day. You might as well make a really high quality 24 hours. Yeah. So it's like me, me knowing that there's people really paying attention in the audience that I want their, you know, not just my peers, but like people I, I admire, mm -hmm. uh, makes me a better teacher. And also later on, I'm back in the audience as well. I, I can listen critically too. I'm like, well, that he taught it that way. Maybe next time I'll teach it that way as well. Mm -hmm. I learn about. That oh yeah. 100%. Well. I was watching a, uh, uh, last year's, uh, WordCamp Miami, the way this, uh, guy explained how callback works and how he breaks down each slide and like showing how things change. I just straight up took that because it's yeah. like, not only did that like solidify for me, cause I, I know how callbacks work, but it's like, I didn't, make the dots yeah 100 percent. so i was like straight up stealing that portion of it and it was just it, it, i've gotten so much positive feedback from that so you know the idea i hope my talks influence somebody to reconsider how they're instructing that particular topic or um you know how do they think about this topic and that's the whole purpose of how to, how i give back and the two ideas that i love most is the idea of pay it forward right you know like i'm standing on shoulders of giants how how do i help the next generation and then the idea of what Damien was talking about earlier is that uh, the Feynman, if you want to understand something totally, explain it simply. Explain if you can't it. explain it simply, you don't, you don't understand, understand it. it. Mm, so absolutely. that's been my philosophy. So I teach Palm Beach Code School. I teach it this thing. And sometimes it's selfish reasons because it's like, I want to understand this better. So how do I explain this to somebody who doesn't understand this and get them to understand it? Yeah. So that happened to me actually personally. Uh, I was I was getting into uh, sort of trying to level up, you know, programming skills and things like that through functional programming. And I spoke to somebody that said, give me the, eleva the elevator pitch for what a monad is. And at the moment I was struggling. 
okay. I was struggling to find that elevator pitch, right? And then it just when it started clicking, right? And then so that was amazing. Right? Well, let, let's get to it. I mean, so so you, you presented a functional program, and this is something that, especially for JavaScript programmers, I feel is is a hard lesson to learn. I mean, there's a lot of things. You know, JavaScript is constantly changing. I, I feel like yes. it, it's a it's a hockey stick. It's been changing recently. It's called JavaScript fatigue, and it's it's a well yeah, yeah yeah yeah. yeah no, issue. Well, I mean, you know, so functional is something that I think a lot of especially people that have been programming for uh, in, in in JavaScript. Uh, for a while, uh, have a hard time because it, it's it's a, it's a new concept, a different thing. So tell us what 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 really popped, other than than, than what you just said, yeah. to make it, you know, to, you know, to make functional programming make sense to you. Sure, sure. You know, I was asked uh, before if. Uh, because I came in from an object-oriented background, so I was biased coming yeah. in. Right. I was asked, you know, if, if I had no experience whatsoever programming, w- would I be able to pick up functional or object-oriented better? Right? Mm. And so it was. It was at the moment. It was an incredibly hard question to understand because I had to put myself in that place, right? Which was hard for me to, trans- to transition into. Now understanding what the basics are and be, you know, being able to explain it simply, right? I, w- right. I would frame my answer, and it probably is a more intuitive thing to do. Okay. And and and. The main challenge that we have is that we've we've been sort of taught in, 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 in professionally to do things in an object-oriented manner. We're taught to, hey, you have to prefer using patterns than kind of building your own solution, right? Use things that are there and things like that. Um, and we've we've kind of it, that that's that's it has blurred sort of what the real intention of your code was meant to be. You don't have to use design pattern just for shoehorning something in. Yes, it's what problem you're trying to solve, right? Right, right. right. And it really all comes down to you want to just compartmentalize your code, make it easy to reason about in simple functions and just put it together. And that's all it is. So if I, if I were to ask that question now, since we're, uh, since we're here live, I would say it is a more intuitive way of doing it. I would say that uh, we would get a, a next generation of JavaScripters that would probably embrace that paradigm before they would embrace object oh, orientation. Right, right, right. So I've got a question about the whole um, uh, the functional programming. Um, so it's like, I, I, get, I get the purpose of it, right? It makes your code a little bit more declarative, right? At what point is enough enough, right? How endlessly reusable does your code need to be right. versus you write a function to do a thing or two, right? right? And it's like, uh, so readability versus creating a function and a function and a function and a function because it's like the idea of like currying, it's like, I get it, but it doesn't solve any problem in my day job, so right. why use it? Like, what, sure. what does it solve? <clears throat> yeah, so let, let's... I feel like that was a two-part question. Yeah. Uh, the first one is, <clears throat> where does it end, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, my, my uh, answer to that is, so long as you, you're, so, long as you some, so long as somebody else can read that code and understand it, that's where it ends. Because okay. that's really the purpose, right? You're using right. code to communicate to somebody else, and that's it. If you can accomplish that by any means, you've done the job. Okay. Yes. Uh, now, you know, the whole you know, functional versus object-oriented and things like that, it, it's, it's got to be... Uh, a little religious even. Some people would just completely say, oh, you should discard all these things and we've been doing it wrong for, you know, uh, 50 years. And and that's absolutely not true, right? Most of the software we have now has been built object-oriented, right? Right. Yes, it's true that that, that, um, uh, the paradigm is is rising and, and, and sort of that's practically... Platform adopters have been have been you know putting those features into languages because we just want to be pragmatic. We want to be able to you know frame problems the way people think and reason about code. Everybody's different, right? Some some people might approach it functionally, some people might, and so really the abstraction is that where, where does it end? Is if you can you know find the right level of abstraction so that you can communicate your intent and to somebody else, you've done it. Right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's where it ends. The second part is, is curring. So. Curring is really more of a of a technique. The way I see it is, it, it does. Can you give things. us a definition of curring first? So curring allows you to partially apply functions uh, function arguments until you satisfied the function definition, and then it runs. To me, it solves two problems. One is JavaScript's problem of uh, of um, being able to call functions very dynamically. You can pass in one argument, you can pass in twenty, and it will still evaluate your function. Which to me, that it's it's just it makes programming so much harder, right? right? So to me, currying fixes the problem of, I cannot, you know, I shouldn't be able to run a certain function until I've satisfied its arguments. The, you know, if a function uh, takes first name and last name and I just give it a first name, that, that function is not satisfied by definition. The right. contract is not there. So currying will help us that. And then the second thing it accomplishes that um, is that if you think about functional programming as just 
composition of functions. If you think about Legos, that's just stacking them together. Then curring is that pin that lets you attach that Lego, right? Curring is, is, is that pin that says, well, if I have a function of um, two or three arguments and we, you know, we, most of the functions that we do have some very complex logic and they might have some more, some less. Um, ideally, we would go to all singular functions of one argument. That would be the sort of the, the utopian, right? But we can't get there practically, right? Okay. Uh, so they tend to have more. So we, we solve that with curring because we eventually want to be able to insert that function into our business logic. Curring is what allows us to say, well, I can partially apply these arguments and then let the dynamic argument, which is that last start. And there's a lot of theory about argument reordering to accommodate for curring. Mm -hmm. I can really just let that dynamic argument that's part of my chain of flow, my control flow, and put that in my composition. Partially apply you know, the X number of arguments that I need and just let, 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 uh, let that last one be lazily loaded like that. Yes. Insert it into my composition and just let it rip, right? So, but, but you're still not ex executing until the last one is loaded. Correct. But by partially applying and just leaving one argument, yes. by virtue of being, that being in the composition, you know it's going to get loaded because composition takes the result of one and puts it into the next. As soon as your curry function gets hit, that's when it's going to start executing, right? So it will be partially, it will be satisfied at that point. But I mean, what I mean is, as, as you build it, you build it, you build it. It's not really lazy loading if nothing's happening until the last thing happens. Correct, exactly. It's all of them happen, right? Exactly. I mean, you've stacked them all. You've but... stacked them up. So you, you've you've basically been uh, evaluating that function piecewise. Right. So nothing is happening until that until you've basically satisfied that contract. So it allows you to say, I can lazy, I can build this family of like template functions yeah. that you know I can build one with you know let's say that we're in a that we're building a um, a, a a block yes. in a blockchain, right? Well, I can partially apply maybe the currency type. I can partially apply the set of transactions, whatever the case may be. Right. And just let that, you know, maybe but, it... But you're, you're applying only the rules. You're not... There's no action happening. There's no action happening until the last that last argument is satisfied and then the whole thing runs. So but it you, is lazy loading in that. But, but, but back to your point, it's obvious at step number three what step number three is doing. Exactly. Right? So because it, yes. it's, it's self-contained, it's to yes. atomic... You know, it, it, you know, and you can debug that or, or correct right. that or change that because you know that you don't have to worry about anything before that or after that. Absolutely. So keep in mind, your function is going to execute just like it would have without curring. Right. right. It's, 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 can you, you know, it's how you define it. Right. So sure. you, you need to basically satisfy that contract. Remember, function signatures are contracts, right? I'm expecting you to pass in some input and you're going to get some output until that contract is, is completely satisfied. That shouldn't happen. Right. So right. it happens when everything has been evaluated or applied into that function, right? Okay. Curring solves the problem of I can still use composition because uh, in, in reality, we can only only return one value, right? And so that's that last value that, I'm, that I need in my curried function to just let it all execute, right? It's lazy loaded. It's, it makes it more declarative. It, it, it's, it's got all these benefits to allow you to reason about your code. If your functions are pure, then by definition, the whole composition is pure. And mm -hmm. so by definition, if you extend that, your whole application is pure. Right. You have so, the safety of, of building exactly. that way. Right, right. right. So that in I, practice, how, how do you find that? Because it's like everybody loves to talk about like what a pure function is. And like when I watch the tutorial on it, it's, mm -hmm. well, it's, not, it's not by definition right. pure because it's, it's, it's muddying the, the original array mm -hmm. or something like that. Sure. Um, so how... When you write your code, is, you, is your code pure as possible? Is, is is there a thing as pure as possible, or is it everything has to be pure, or it's not functional programming? Yeah. Very good question. So I, I think the the where it ends is is practically pure, right? Practically pure in the sense that in reality we will have to deal with exceptions. In reality, we will have to deal with writing to a file, reading from a database. That's we just have to do something useful. We need to do that, right? Even even pure functional languages like Haskell have extensions to do all these things, right? Otherwise, it's not of any use. Mm -hmm. The point is not to avoid doing that, doing that, or to eliminate those functions. The, the The point is to keep your your business logic separate from that because you really don't need to mix it all together. I see. And so, what we're trying to do with purity is, if you can keep your business logic pure and observe and and keep any observable side effects from happening, mm -hmm. then your code is pure by practical means, right? right? So what we tend to do is move the side effects out to the edges, to the boundaries, right? right. Where you can apply all your, all your business logic and if you, read to, if you need to go ahead and put that data in a file, don't mix that in with your code as you're processing it. Just keep that all the way to the end in its own function. What do we gain by that is that our business logic stays testable, right? Because we know that right. if we have 
HTTP calls or file system calls or things like that outside of our, then that's no longer our unit test, right? Now we're in the boundaries of maybe a kind of some system test, right? Mm-hmm. We want to keep our units testable, right. our logic pure, and then just push everything out to the boundaries as more as you practically can. Right. And then when you can't do that, use monads. All right. <laughs> Done. That solves that problem. Use <laughs> <monads>. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> I, I hear all this clicking from everybody's, uh, you know, the, the, where everything clicked and they, you know, they, can't, <laughs> yeah. they can't hear us. We might want to wait until that clicking stops in their brains. So the way that I use functional programming now is more for array manipulation, mm-hmm. right? And I yep. use the higher order functions on the array objects, such as the map and the filter and the reduced. Uh, what was your introduction to functional programming? And, and what was that click moment for when you was like, all right, I'm going all full, full right. fu- fu- functional? Yeah, so um, I, I too started that way. So collections is a natural place to start. Um, you know, Lisp was a uh, incorporated a lot of functional programming, and it stands for list processing, right? So a lot of that, um, a lot of that uh, practice comes from dealing with collections. Uh, and and you know, data structures is something very core to what we do. So mm-hmm. data structure processing and functional programming go really hand in hand. The point to me where I I thought I just needed to explore that next level is how do I do collection processing and handle I.O. and handle error handling all at the same time, right? Because eventually you'll need to have, you know, you need to be dealing with some value that's undefined or you need to be uh, intercepting, uh, sorry, uh, interacting with a third, third-party third API that throws an exception or something like that. How Absolutely. do you incorporate that and keep your flow as nice as a filter map reduce, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's when the next level comes in. That's why you need to start using these, you know, sort of higher order abstractions like, uh, you know, functors and things like that to keep that same level of terse, terseness, right, readability, while at the same time gaining all the values of properly error handling your code, properly null checking your code and interfacing with, you know, third party APIs that probably don't do it. As well, well. So what was that method? I, I remember that the, there's a particular library in JavaScript, and I just read, read about it a little while ago. And I guess it's, I don't know if it's meant for functional, where it would have promise after promise after promise. And in any of the the exceptions were thrown, it would sort of skip right through to the end, to the bottom. Well, that's exactly how it works. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So, so the, the point this. is, and so if you if you got you know some of that in, in the talk as well, we, we, we went through one of the many algebraic data types, which is a maybe, right? So maybe says... You can just you know map 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 all your logic right, but if something happens, basically the whole thing is skipped, right? Right. That's, so that you don't have you to need. worry about yeah. that, right? So because you know you shouldn't muddy your code with handling input validation at each and, and every single at each one. and every yeah. single step, right? You just want to put that in in a place in a some kind of context that knows how to deal with that very yes. purely, right? And just map your business logic as if it wasn't there, right? right and so right. that makes your unit testing a lot easier because now your your cyclomatic complexity of every function is that much is cut by half basically, right? Yeah. Since you don't have to split your code path at every point that 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 made uh, for me functional programming a little bit more understandable that 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 idea that you know exactly that 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 it could fail but it, it doesn't have to fail i mean it just skips mm-hmm. so you're going to step, okay go jump out right yeah. back to step person number one saying something happened right. at 16 step step 16 yeah. and, and i've done it also a lot with um uh when we, when we wrote rxjs in action we have we had a lot of uh, stream processing happening and, and you can think of that as basically collections with collections and more collections, right? Being mm-hmm. combined together. So when you talk about streams, basically is, is saying, how can I push data onto these streams? But when you when you put them all together, they, they read as, as if you were using, you know, map reduce filter. Okay. They read exactly the same way. And then you can always have that catch at the end, that finally, and all that same semantics. So where would you find this stuff um, most useful? I'm trying to figure out like ways of like stuff that I work on, ways I can apply functional programming. And the only thing I can think of would be uh, just the data manipulation with the arrays. You know, I'm building silly, you know, front end uh, interactive maps or, you know, image galleries that are looping through things. Where is functional programming most useful for you? And uh, yep. what's the smallest application or a size that this starts, you see the benefits more yeah. than uh, it's more of a burden? Very good question. Um, and, uh, and uh, I'm involved in Quora a lot, you know, answering questions and things like that that people in the community have. And, and that, that this question has come up a lot. Quora um, and with Rx or with your Quora? Uh, no, 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 I know what Quora is, but I apologize. About Rx, about functional programming in general. Okay, just okay. About, yeah, just about programming in general. And the question comes up a lot, right? What, one, of, one of them is like, what's the cons, what's the pros? And the other one is what type of application it lends itself to, right? So to me, personally, I haven't seen that limit. Uh, so I've used it in, in in things from very UI driven using through maybe React and uh, Redux for st- state management 
very eventy, very event driven, right? So things like that, to a lot of collection processing, to a lot of you know API integration, right? So we we're in a world where you know everything is going to be an API. You're gonna you want to put microservice boundaries across everything, right? RxJS is something that easily makes the JSON AJAX call just something that's computationally pluggable into your whole functional, right? And so, and one thing that I'm trying to get out there and, and sort of, you know, when I do the, the, the speaking and all that is that you use these, um, the only way to get these uh, frameworks to work right is through functional programming. If you have your functions, if your functions have side effects and you're trying to map and you, you're trying to filter and do all those, all these things, they're not going to work as reliably as you can, as, as you can make them which work. Which is the right? whole idea. Of which is the whole idea of keeping that context pure, right? Yeah. Um, so to answer the question, I haven't really seen, they're both general purpose par- paradigms. I really haven't seen a limitation of one versus the other, right? Um, if And, and I, I think it all really goes back also to the team you're part of and the culture of the company you're part of. If you're a team that embraces maybe, you know, a lot of uh, object-oriented domain-driven design principles and that's how you get your work done, then it makes sense for that, and that's you, you know that, that that's the best thing you should use because you're that, that's where your skill set is. If you're a a, a, a a company that wants to sort of experiment with something new, or, or maybe has a skill set that lends itself more to more intuitive, you know, uh, just using simple functions and combining those things together because it's a way of thought, right? Then by all means, that's the way you should do it. Right. I don't think there's really a limitation of one paradigm versus the other in terms of what types of applications you can do. I always say when I hear functional programming, the only thing is is I hear back in, in SEO SOA days where it's service or object service oriented architecture where every single thing is atomic and right. and, those, and and I remember all the like why 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 is there more than forty things that are, you know and then they would be like one copy of one service because they had a slight yeah. change and and so I I I want to you know say like stop 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 this is too much you yep. should be but you know I think from that has has evolved something much more. Uh, and it makes sense that yeah. that atomic nature of each one of the functions, that atomic, um, you know, it, this only does this, and therefore it's testable, right. easily, and trusted. Correct. So and and, and we, we're seeing this not only in programming; just you can think of it as functional programming in the small and the large, in the small to where a single unit or a single function, you know, is done sort of with, with that intent, and in the large to where your complete architecture is like that, right? So we we <laughs> yeah. see serverless, you know go and it's prominent, right? right. Put your things right. in serverless. Why? It's because you get that, you know, the reason is, you know, you have immutable architectures and you can scale those out and you can right. do all these nice things, right? Uh, if you're in the Erlang, uh, you know, in the Erlang world, you have the actor model where it's just scalable out to anything, right? And even though the actor model is as is, is implemented by something, you know, a language like Scala is very object oriented, the concept is still there. Where functional programming and object-oriented kind of mix and say, if your things are immutable, if your things are just, they do that one atomic. single contract and they do it yeah. well and atomic, right. yes. you can just scale it out and replicate it. And trust with, that it's really And trust yeah. that it's going to do it without having that cognitive load and mental load of, well, what if this changed that and this happened and what's, what's the ripple effect of that, right? It just kind of frees you from that burden, right? Yeah, I think that's come, people were figuring this out the hard way uh, with blockchain technologies and um and uh, in cryptocurrencies now where, you know, sometimes the blockchain or their currency is just the tip of the iceberg. You know, most of your application is not on the blockchain. Right. And, and a lot of these hacks are happening. People aren't hacking the blockchain. They're hacking the, the exchange or the application that's using the blockchain. So things that like, you know, before, you know, you do your code audit, you get certified saying your, your, your smart contract is valid, which it might be. But what about the rest of your application? That's what's being hacked. So I see this a lot now where I'm involved in three, three large uh, blockchain projects where it's like, yeah, we're all, we're just, you know, we're all using the same standard open source, you know, Ethereum contracts or whatever people are using, but that's not where the danger is. The danger is everything else we're building. So we're actually be trying to simplify everything and, and do code audits on the rest of this stuff that before we'd only code audit the blockchain aspects. Interesting. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the atomic, if we had thought about it in the atomic, especially with Ethereum, that everything is atomic, that everything can call everything else. And if it was, if it could do its job well, then yeah. you could think about it well. In fact, in a way, it's like, you know, if, if a smart contract gets hacked and you use something standard, you know, it's it's almost like not your fault, right? You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, like, it's like the guy that, you know, you say you never get fired for buying IBM back in the day. 
but if it's your your code, you know that, that's your responsibility. That, that's that's when you're in trouble. So yep. if your custom stuff, you got to keep simple and, and testable. And and, and you know you should, said. you know you should be able to come back to it in a year. And it should make sense, right? Yeah, and right. there's so much turnover in, in these industries. Like there's mm-hmm. let alone a year, like a, a month from now, that program wrote is going to be gone. Well, back I mean, to even, Russia or even think about like you and. Three mm-hmm. three months from now, six right. months from now, it's like there. I've looked at code and be like, what the hell was I thinking? Yeah. What was going on here? It's like, and then the the idea of like meaningful comments instead of explaining like right. what this code is doing, like why is this code doing that, is a, is a, a thing I've been uh, trying to figure out and write more meaningful comments and whatnot. So when would you say uh, you've stopped programming the old way and moved fully functional? Yeah. Like how long has that been? Was yeah. there a definitive moment? Um. So I've, I've I got into uh, uh, writing functional code, I guess, um, uh, like maybe four years ago, uh, ish, right, give or take. And um, I find myself now. It's uh, so I w- when I do a lot of the teaching, I have to. Uh, it's very convincing when you can show the imperative program versus the functional program. Uh, so uh, you know that's one of the things that I try to do when, when there's time and things like that. And it's just the the, the comparison. I can. Uh, so my wife was kind of uh, in the same. Uh, we were in the uh, in the office at home, and I was just writing. And I said, and I just told her she has no programming experience. And I just said, look, uh, there's this co- this piece of code, um, and then there's this other piece of code. You know, by you just seeing it, right? By just the readability aspect of it, or by just visually, yeah. right? Which one would you appeal the most, right? And she said, "Well, I think I like that one better." You know, she was pointing to the functional solution to the exact same problem. I thought she was pointing to the cat, and you were like, "No, no, 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 we're here, we're here. <laughs> right?" Sick. Right. And so it's it's just something that it's it's, it's, yeah. it seems more intuitive. Um, for me, the breaking point was maybe um, I would say a year ago. I've been kind of reading about it and researching it for maybe two and a half years or something like that. And about a year ago, I said, I just found myself doing it without even thinking about it. Right? Okay. Um, instead of saying, you know, instead of writing while, you know, true, whatever, I just, or for I'll just map over things. And, right. and it just kind of started like that mm-hmm. very organically through, you know, filter and reduce. And then, and then you say, well, if I have filter, why can't Maybe I can add my own mapping function, and then you know I have I have arrays of two elements. Well, maybe I need a bimap function because I can map two functions at the same time for a, you know if, if if it's a multi multi dimensional array, you know and you just find yourself adding these abstractions, and then your code just completely just night and day just changes. Um, recently, uh, what I've been doing also bringing a lot of that into the Java world, and I find myself like I'm bending the language to do something it's not supposed to be because. You know, Java, Java is like the poster child for, you know, object orientation, right? Um, but Java 8 has a lot of these functional uh, features in, and it makes coding so much more fun. Uh, that it no, just, sure. my, 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 the way I code it, you know, if I see code from you know, from a year ago, it's like, what, what was I thinking? I mean, what was I doing? Yeah. So that, that leads me into my, se- my second question is, uh, so there was a definitive moment when you're yeah. just like, oh, I'm, I'm writing functional programs. Yeah. What do you know now that you wish you would have known at the beginning that would have made this process a little bit easier? Yeah, so... Um, to me, the, the, the first point of realization was I can do functional code by just keeping my functions simple and pure and move out all the, um, we call them like cross-cutting concerns, like writing to the file, moving that out of the, out of the way. Okay. When I started doing that, I saw my, my tests were just like trivial. I, I didn't even want to write a unit test because I know what it's doing. I know these functions are so, you know, the, 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 they become really just trivial functions. Mm-hmm. Together, they're complex by themselves, the unit trivial right mm-hmm. um and 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 so for me i always i always struggle with yeah so i you know i can oh yeah it makes sense you know if i need to do a two upper or something like that yeah that's pure that's easy to see it's easy to see that um but i really need to deal with that persistence layer i really need to deal with that you know my sql query that i need to make you know how do i do that and so that's when i i started to to push on more right i you know, this ha- there has to be a pure way of handling this. Otherwise, languages like Haskell wouldn't exist. Mm-hmm. How do they do it, right? So I started reading sort of more of that into that world and see if I can translate that concept into Java, into JavaScript, things that are mm-hmm. not functional languages, right? And so that's what, that's what I find myself doing is bringing a lot of that concept in, into, a, you know, into my JavaScript code from other languages. That is, is, is that now. concept of what, what you mentioned right there where all of a sudden you end up, if you go too deep into functional, like you said, you have a right. function that's whose line is grab whatever string you got and make it two upper. Right. You're like, right. you're an idiot. That yeah. was not supposed to be a Cor- function. Correct. Right? You should, that should be part of, right. I mean, sorry, but, or, or should it be? Should it right. be down to that? 
minute level. And it, it, it's you, really up to, like I said, if you can write code that you know somebody else is understanding, that's your level. It really comes down to that. Whether you want to make that all different functions that maybe you want to unit test. And when I say you know when I say two upper, that can be a you know that can be a simple piece of logic that's part of your domain, not not string related, right? It's a very simple domain concept that you're capturing. Right. Um, to take that to the next level is when when you start learning about you know computational context and things like that. The, the idea is that you can you can take input, manipulate that input, write it to a file, do something else in a pure manner. That was just mind blowing for mm-hmm. me because when everything is lazy initialized, right? There's no opportunity for you to go back and mess up and mutate, you know? So you kind of lazily, lazily define your control flow and nothing executes until you just evaluate it, right? Until you apply it or evaluate it, right? right? And so by that, by virtue of that being lazy, by virtue of that being, you know, using using competition context or monads, whatever you want to call it, to just chain all those functions together, you, you're guaranteed that purity along the way, right? So uh, that for me, it was the point of just no return at that point. So uh, for all of our beginners out there, what were, are some good resources that you would recommend for them to uh, check this out uh, and get deeper understanding to? Other than your book. Uh, uh, can you just plug it in right now? <laughs> Please plug uh, it. Yeah, so I mean... Function- Other than, the, I mean, tell us about yeah. the book and then tell us, uh, answer Jeremy's great, great question. Yeah, absolutely. So Functional Programming in JavaScript is, is, is a book meant for the person with an object-oriented mindset coming into Functional. I use JavaScript as a teaching method because I love the language, and so I'm not gonna. Um, is it a is it the best language to teach functional uh, functional programming? Probably not. Um, by the fact uh, that you have higher order functions and all that, it lends itself to functional programming really well. And again, we try to keep we try to bring the concepts from other platforms that we learn into it, and you can see the benefits immediately, right? A language like JavaScript benefits from functional programming immensely because JavaScript suffers from this like mutable state everywhere, right? You can delete right. object properties out of the data bag. You can they do, can change. They, they can change. Yeah. They can be loaded in a different order and you really don't know. Uh, so JavaScript is something that it, it benefits immensely and you see it in frameworks like React, Redux, you know, and anything that's up and coming right now has has that sort of that um, uh, paradigm yeah. and uh, built into it. Um, so to me, a, a, a good starting place is just start with your start with your own functions, right? Start with your functions and make make those pure, make those simple to understand, and then little by little you'll as by need, you know, as you need, you'll start bringing in some more advanced concepts, right? Okay. Um, there are tons of blog post articles out there. Uh, there are tons of books on functional programming out there. We'll get a couple um, links from me and put them in the show notes. You got it. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And, What's uh, the name of your book? Functional programming in JavaScript, just like that, is one. And um, on the more sort of uh, reactive uh, side of functional reactive programming, there's RxJS in action. Um, I'm, I'm actually just contracted to write a third book. Um, I can't disclose anything yet, but that's, you know, stay tuned for that. And that's going to be basically mixing object-oriented functional all together. Oh, there's, I thought it was the second second version of the Trump book and all <laughs> something else. And I was like, really? Yeah, yeah that would have been a privilege. Um, yeah. yeah, so this book is going to be a, a lot of fun. So it's going to be just... Uh, it's not going to be just one paradigm and sticking to that. It's going to be how you mix it all together, right? Love and it. what's okay. the benefit of that? So I'm looking really good. Good thing you to couldn't it. tell us about it. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. So no, Oops. don't worry. Nobody listens to this podcast anyway, so you'll be fine. Well, well so we're we're uh, we're about the 50 minute mark. This this was a very interesting conversation. I love where we went uh, down with the, the education uh, routes, and then I love where we went down with the, uh, the functional programming. We're definitely going to have you back on. Uh, for the uh, ed- education uh, section, yeah, as far as like uh, there, was, there was a point towards printing there, just just people that are only listening yeah. and not watching. Yeah, as far as like getting people started, just wanted to pine. Like I usually when I teach something, I have a list of like prerequisites, recommended YouTube videos to watch, and I post it on my Twitter. So my Twitter is Pravi P R A V is in Victor, another V is in Victor, Y is in Yellow Pravi. So like if you just scroll back, like for. Damien's uh, Bokeh.js in November, right? Yep. You can go directly to his Bokeh.js and you see all the prerequisite videos we recommended that you watch before you went to the workshop. Um, yes. And that, j- that basically, it, it gets you to the point where you have the software installed in Hello World. Mm-hmm. Then we start from there. So we're not wasting time installing software during the workshop type thing. All right. But, uh, and cool. we'll put those in the show notes to me for yeah. email. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll do that. So uh, any ETA as to when your book is coming out? So maybe we'll have a follow-up podcast. Yeah, with you? it started. It All started. right. Yeah. So uh, usually when the from the point of start, from my previous experience, has been around nine months okay. of, of just writing, straight up writing. 
and then maybe one month. It's not of, like you have a real job, right? Right, exactly. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> or a kid. You or do a wife. Or a kid, yeah. right, 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 yeah. right, right. So, um, France meetup groups <laughs> you want to go to. Doesn't uh, it's all fun, man. I mean, it's the more I, to me the 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 more I do, the more I get done. Is that type of thing? Yeah. If, if I just get lazy and then you know I'm on vacation, I just maybe don't want to even pick up open up a computer. The more uh-huh. I get done, the more I do. It's kind of that mentality. I find the opposite to be true. The less I do, the less I get done. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. <laughs> it's a nice duality there. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, amazing, um, amazing. Yeah, so uh, uh, the question was how long, right? So about nine months and then maybe a couple months of editing. And then uh, so it, the whole process is about a year. All right, very cool. So we'll, we'll definitely have you, uh, we'll have you at uh, March 6th, uh, next <laughs> 2019. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, it's been fun. So uh, I wanted to introduce a, a topic that I'm straight up stealing from all the other great podcasts that I've heard, uh, JavaScript Chatter, uh, Syntax, and uh, Front and Happy Hour. Um, picks, right? The concept of pick out two things that you're interested in. doesn't necessarily have to be anything tech-related. It could be a book you're reading, a movie you just watched, anything like that. And um, also, after you do your picks, uh, how do people follow you and give you money? So start us <laughs> off... Uh, Luis. Luis. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm going to actually plug three things. Is that, is that okay? That's yes. Pick fine. three things. Yeah, uh, one was, so started, so no uh, One was a, a movie I watched a while back, and uh, I always, you know, I'm amazed by that movie. It's called Hidden Figures, and it's mm. a movie about, you know, NASA and, and the way they predicted sort of the landing spot or the, the point of inflection, uh, you know, the sort of the math behind that and how it, you know, how they got there and, and obviously through the, uh, you know, a, a point of segregation and, 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 and you know, Really hard times, you know what what came out of that. So that's a really amazing movie that I'm always inspired by. My my daughter loves it. Yeah, uh, she was really um, fascinated by it. Yeah, I'm always inspired by that movie. Um, uh, I'm reading a book right now because I'm, you know, in in the same uh, FP spectrum that we're uh, talking about. There's a um, fellow by the name of Bartos. My my, uh, I'm gonna butcher his last name, but it's uh, Malievsky. Um, and he's, he's writing, yeah. And he's writing a category theory for programmers book, which is almost impossible to write. And this guy writes it and does it well. Okay. And so it's something that if anybody wants to go to that next level, that's that's the thing to read. Um, and that's when you get to learn about these algebraic data types and things like that in, in depth. Um, oh my. So I would, <laughs> yeah. So I, w- I would recommend that book as a personal pick. That's what I'm reading actually at the moment right now. Um, and the third one is that I want to just to do a shout out to, um, we have a uh, UX dev coming up soon mm-hmm. and, um, I just wanted to see if maybe there's an opportunity for a VR workshop. Yeah. Uh, I, I there, think right? US6 definitely I think it. that would kick ass and I think uh, that would be an excellent idea. And I'm also, you know, want to make sure all our the listeners know about the, uh, the event and, and, or any other local event in, in South Florida and just, you know, tuned in. Very Sounds cool. Good. Thank you. We'll definitely put all the uh, links in the show notes. Yep. So we'll get connect afterwards. Oh, too proud. So you know, my, my definition of long term is like like two days. <laughs> you know, it's like, I kind of live in the moment type type guy. So like, so like I think really, if you want to see, you know how how to meet me or work together on something, I'm in LA, San Francisco, and in Miami. So last year we hosted like five of the largest uh, VR events and uh, around. We did the Bollywood VR sponsored by AMD. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple years ago, we did a couple of zombie virtual reality movies. So mm-hmm. always looking for extras. Actually, the first one, we used the, all the um, Renaissance for actors from uh, South Florida. Oh, we had them bring nice. their latex paint. And it's kind of <laughs> nice. cool. We're always experimenting. We learned how to use uh, drones and VR cameras. And so a lot of this stuff is like definitely, you know, people want to be an intern or just, just learn uh, because it's it's all new, right? No one, no one knows it it's because a lot of times we're the first ones to try this stuff out. And. We were trying to combine all the Unity 3D programming with filmmaking, and so anyway, so every every year, right? It seems like there's a new new shiny object, right? So two years ago, I was obsessed with VR. Last year, I was obsessed with augmented reality. This year, I'm obsessed with blockchain. So uh, yeah, we're going to do tons of blockchain projects and events and conferences. I've been a speaker a lot too. So I think, and usually. Uh, there's obviously everyone's going to make a living, but I always try to do one open source project. Mm-hmm. So the mm-hmm. one open source project, anyone's willing, if anyone who wants to learn or join, it's called uh, our kind token. So basically it's like a cryptocurrency, but it's a, a B corporation, like a public benefit corporation. So we're not going to be doing an ICO, but we're going to be doing all the technologies that we could do an ICO, but you know, we're not going <laughs> to. So it's basically trying to put kindness and volunteerism on the blockchain. 
Okay. So we're, we're pitching that to different cities. We have good, good uh, traction with the Orange Bowl committee. Mm-hmm. So we'll try to make the official uh, cryptocurrency of the national championship game and also city of Miami and other people as well. So it's also like anyone wants to learn too, you know, there's tons of opportunity to, to, to learn in a, in a, in a learn new concepts. And I think that's the best way to learn working on a real project. Absolutely. No doubt. 100%. That, that's what I always tell people. You know, you want to try something, you're learning something about recreate Twitter, recreate Facebook, recreate your favorite thing, you know, do something for free, especially you know, to learn about it. So I love that. So Damien, what are your YouTube picks? So my, uh, I have to choose two. Oh my God. No, uh-huh. it's, uh, it's, it's, I thought it was one. Since, since he took uh, three, you can have, uh, you can oh, have just you one. Go. Oh, I appreciate it. No, I, I have two. I, the, the one thing that has, to me, revolutionized things is the JSON server. Now, if you guys heard about it. Oh so. my God. JSON <laughs> server, right? That's and I said mentioned before that I was going to mention it. Uh, so J S O N E S O N dash server at npnjs.org uh, slash JSON server uh, with a dash in the middle uh, will revolutionize what you do. So you'll be able to knock out essentially a mock server. And I have, if you go to my uh, and I'll, I'll sh- put it links in the show notes uh, and, and my GitHub page, a way to do this. You know. T- Everybody does mock data. This is so simple mock data, a so simple representation of your backend. As a front-end developer, I created one so I could quickly uh, hit it and connect to it as I was building the, the front-end development adder arrow where you used to work. I used to work, pardon, where you do exactly work now. <laughs> Hopefully still after the podcast, uh, if they hear that we're working together. Um, and tr- truly, it, it revolutionized everything because I, I could knock out a quick backend server that looked it was had fake data, but it, w- it would record. It does everything rest restfully. Uh, it's just incredible. And with a, if you look at my GitHub, you'll be able to re- get uh, really uh, mock information, full usernames, you know, t- t- uh, usernames, passwords, addresses, phone numbers, for profile pics, yep. all dynamically, all random, uh, saved, and just. Magic stuff. The beauty of this um, is that you don't need to have a, a backend. It's, it saves to a, a .json file that yes. you can uh, um, create whatever it is you need. So it's like I want to piggyback off that. I'm working on a sample APIs.com, and the idea is utilizing um, JSON server underneath the hood so that way I don't have to spend a lot of time to uh, create the backend and all the RESTful endpoints and all that good stuff and provide this endpoint to people trying to learn APIs without having to worry about the authentication because yes. that whole layer of mess oh, is uh, like, API yeah, tokens, whatever. That, that's a course in and of itself and then we're not even teaching uh the api mm-hmm. so it seems like uh, something like swagger would benefit from uh from something but, like but the swagger is that you know the, essentially the 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 mirror opposite right okay. it's like you have this beautiful yeah. back end and you know you need to be Expose able to interact it, right. on it without having the front end ready and and, and i love it I, I think swagger is spectacular i think it's 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 it's, a, it's it's definitely a good mirror image of it. But this is where, you know, it, it served two purposes. Um, at first, I needed uh, the, the back end wasn't going to be ready on time. So I needed that back end just to point and test my front end out. Perfect. And I could. And then all of a sudden, I, I, I handed it to the back end person. And because it creates kind of a small, de- uh, you know, documentation on the front page, uh, if you hit it with a bright browser instead of as an API, um, he was able to look and say, oh, oh my God, I have all your endpoints. I know all the return values you're looking for. It was document exactly exactly. So it was it was the exact mirror image. So he could look at it and 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 essentially create his own you know uh, swagger from it. But he could create his own backend, and he found it so easy that way. And 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 once I switched from you know this mock backend to the real mock backend he created. Everything worked, Eric, right? Eric, you know, I mean, and, and how many times does that happen in programming where you yeah. just sort of, you know, no, exactly, you, twice, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, <laughs> twice. your lifestyle, <laughs> in your lifestyle, and all that. And the second pickup I had to, but, but this is a long, long thing. It's the same as Mr. Previn here. Uh, it's Ethereum. It, it's just crazy. It's, it's so uh, I've always gotten into cryptocurrency because it's to me it wasn't like hey, let's take over the world. No, no, no. It was programmers meets money and meets magic. Well, money. Uh, another M word, and then this is really programmers me, and 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 anything where I walk in and I'm like, I have no clue what I'm doing here, and what I thought was working isn't working at all. So I mean, we re- rearrange it. It's it's just it, like I, I, I get obsessed over it. It's yeah, just amazing it's high, because for sure. it, it it's it's that thing where I can learn about JX, uh, you know, RX functional and all that, but. Uh, it, it makes sense. Yeah. This one is so new, so different. I feel like I'm a new programmer. I get excited about it. I wake up. I literally woke up in the middle of the night and started saying, "Like, oh yeah, I got a solution. I got a solution to uh, 
to a bounty for $1.3 million. And I'm like, yeah, I got it. You know, and like always when you, when you wake up, nothing happened uh, <laughs> when I, when I woke up the next day and I'm like, Oh no, I forgot this one thing that prevents the whole thing from happening. But it was very exciting. Very interesting. Your picks, Mr. Joe. All right. So, uh, I'm going to go the complete opposite of everybody. Everybody had oh, some no. nice, uh, tech, tech. Uh, stuff. You, you had a nice movie one. Um, I'm going to go with a, a book that I'm rereading for the, the umpteenth time because it's amazing. It's the uh, Grim Noir Chronicles by Larry Correa. Mm. It's uh, it's a three part series, and it starts off with hard magic. And uh, my wife and I were just having a, a date night, and we were picking um, the topic of conversation was like, if you can live in any book world, like what would that be? And I chose the Grim Noir world because cool. it's it's amazing. I thought your um, date night was you two reading books, like mm. so you don't have to talk to each other. Is <laughs> no, that what it is? No, we nice. We actually talk to each other. Uh, just to be, uh, <laughs> that's the second sexist joke I made. I do apologize. <laughs> I want to make something very clear and very technical. My wife is a Python developer now. That means clearly she is smarter than me. <laughs> just to make that sure that everybody understands that. And then uh, another um, another TV series that I'm rewatching again because uh, it's it's uh, okay for me to watch cartoons again because now I have a three year old. <laughs> is Avatar the last You're Airbender? There already. I'm, I'm almost getting. There. I'm <laughs> so excited about it. Uh, so it's like when she was first born. It's like I started watching all, all my like Animaniacs and Pinky and the Branch, all the yeah. stuff I grew up on. And it's like when she started like being able to repeat what they're saying. It's like yeah. all right, maybe a little later in life. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're getting. Uh, uh, we just started uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender, for again the umpteenth time. Um, it's an amazing show, and they need to remake that in a movie, whatever M. Night Shyamalan did. Was <laughs> that was yeah. horrible. No, that was <laughs> horrible. Yeah. The, the, the two things that will get my uh, wife's uh, eyes to roll very hard is get me started on like why that movie is so terrible, and then also uh, what I liked about the Ninja Turtles, the remake. Oh, no. Where it's like they got the turtles right, but they oh, messed no. everything else oh. up. <laughs> and it's like I, I just hear my wife just her eyes rolling right now. It's like, oh, not again. But, See, but you, you must have experienced. I, I got to break into it because <laughs> when when I saw Transformer, I was like, "Yes, my childhood." And I saw it, and it's like, "Oh, my childhood! Oh my god, they just ruined it. It was awful." Yeah. But you must have. You did not feel that with Ninja Turtles because that was after I, my I time. Gave, it was your time. I right? gave up hope after the 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 last the Airbender oh, because uh, like the I haven't anticipated a movie. Like I like I, I wanted to go see movies, but it's like I haven't anticipated a movie as hard. As Last Airbender, really? Since like Ninja Turtles three, wow, right? So it's like Ninja Turtles and Power Rangers was my childhood, and like Ninja Turtles three came out and it was uh, yeah, done. Yeah, so I was like, yeah. all right, I'm gonna give up. Everything else is like, oh, you're talking I'll about the it. last one that was animatronics, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So nothing like the first Ninja Turtles from like 1983 or whatever. That thing, the cartoon? No, the, no, no, the, the, the first the, movie, the oh, first movie. Yeah. oh, it's like just amazing. I'm also really? a Ninja Turtles fan, so wow, I'll just I have a high standard based on that. So like when the, the the Avatar the Last Airbender movie came out, I was like, I need to I need to do it because the the series is so amazing, and uh, everything wrong with the, the movie is a topic for another podcast. Because <laughs> <laughs> you don't have that many explosions in yours, and everything falling apart and and racist uh, robots and all that. Uh, you know, my childhood, my my Transformers were not racist. So uh, we'll be starting a new podcast about terrible movies that ruin our, our, our childhood, and uh, we'll go through the year.